Hello, everyone. Lee Arnold welcoming you back to Country Music Conversations. Our guest this week is his Tinas, T. Graham Brown, the master of blue-eyed soul. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, MarketSmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving, they create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. He was born in 1954 in Georgia. His first duo was Dirk and Tony before he found two more bands, Rio Diamond in 1975 and T. Graham Brown's Brack of Spam in 1979. He married his wife, Sheila, in 1980, and the couple had a son, Acme Geronimo Brown, who was born in 1989. T. Graham Brown moved to Nashville in 1982 and because of his distinct sound, found work singing jingles for companies such as McDonald's, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, Sears, Dodge Trucks, Ford, Taco Bell, and many others, which proved quite lucrative. In addition to singing jingles, he was sought out as a demo singer, and he was signed to EMI as a songwriter, which also paid the bills. He got signed to Capitol Records in 1984 and his first release for the label was Drowning in Memories, and didn't do that well. His first album, Tell It Like It Used to Be, accounted for two number one hit singles, plus the title cut. His second album, Bring In Conversationalist, a year later, produced three top ten hits. A third album, Come As You Were, produced his third number one hit, Darlene. 1990, also saw the release of his album, Bumper to Bumper. The lead-off single, If You Could Only See Me Now, went top ten. Brown did not record another album until 1998's Wine Into Water. This album produced four more singles for him. The subject matter of Wine Into Water dealt with Brown's ongoing fight against alcoholism. In 2014, T. Graham collaborated with producer Mark Carmen to produce his Grammy-nominated album, Forever Changed. This album featured guest appearances by some industry greats, 
Names like Leon Russell, the Oak Ridge Boys, Steve Cropper, Jimmy Fortune, and many more. While growing up in Georgia, he was influenced heavily by soul artists like Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, Solomon Burke, Wilson Pickett, Percy Sledge, and many others. As a result, his singing style is related to all of them. T. Graham was someone I always looked forward to seeing and talking with. He has such a warm and engaging personality. And after you say hello to him, you feel this guy is someone you've known all your life. When I went back and listened to all the conversations we had, it was a tough decision as to which one to share. Each one stood out on its own. I decided to have you listen to the first conversation we ever had. It took place in Nashville in 1985, just as he was beginning his career. We had fun discussing stories behind his first hit, his wife Sheila, and also the turning point in his career. Here now is T. Graham Brown. We are here in Nashville, and with probably one of the most uh, interesting new sounds in country music, sitting across from T. Graham Brown. How you doing, Lee? Boy, has this been a past few months for you. I'm telling you what's the truth. Uh, I never would have believed it. Six months ago, I'd have never believed it. And hey, I've been on the charts for six months, and it's something else. The recent big hit called I Tell It Like It Used To Be, if there's a song which I guess... Uh, Everybody knows in country music, that's the one. And uh, it really exemplifies what T. Graham Brown and his music and style are all about. Tell us the story how you got it. Well, it's a pretty simple story. When I moved to Nashville, I started singing demos, which are uh, demonstration tapes for songs that songwriters write. And they hire people like me to sing them, and then they'll pitch them to major artists to try to get them recorded. And in 1982, three friends of mine wrote, this song called I Tell It Like It Used To Be and called me up and asked me if I'd sing the demo on it and I did. So it sat around and sat around and sat around and finally when Capitol gave me a recording contract, I recorded it. So it's uh, it's been there a while. Turned out to be a monster. I had the feeling when you recorded that that uh, you would actually live that experience. Well, you know, I tell it, I usually tell it like it is, but in the song I tell it like it used to be. There was another song years ago called Tell It Like It Is. Do you remember that thing? It was originally a rock theme, then Archie Campbell and Lorene Mann did it. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if it's the same song, but the uh, Isley Brothers or either Mel and Tim had Tell It Like It Is. That's the one. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm familiar with that. You know, you come from really a, a background, having been raised, I guess, was it Georgia? Yeah, I grew up in South Georgia in a little town called Araby, and uh Later, when I went to college, I moved to Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia is. You had a great influence with uh, a lot of blues acts, a lot of the the the, uh, the black uh, countries, uh, not country, but black singers per se in rhythm and blues. They greatly influenced your style, did they not? Yeah, they did. I mainly grew up listening to uh, Otis Redding and Percy Sledge, Clarence Carter, Aretha Franklin, uh, Mel and Tim. Isley Brothers, the Neville Brothers, people like that. And then, of course, I didn't have a very good record player when I grew up, and I had two albums. And the two albums I had was Johnny Cash, Live at Folsom Prison, and Jerry Lee Lewis, Live at the International Hotel Las Vegas. So that's basically my my background. I guess it's probably one of the hardest things when you come to Nashville 
to become a country music singer or to get that record contract to be recognized. There's so many people come here that are very talented, that try and fail. Uh, you made a lot of sacrifices along the way, did you not? Yeah, well, I've been at it. A lot of people don't realize I've, I've been in Nashville almost four years, but I've been uh, singing professionally since 1973. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been through some lean times. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to find a, a, a gal that would marry me and work two jobs uh, when we moved to Nashville so that I could be on call to do sessions. And, and it just kind of, I lucked into my first session and people liked it and word spread around and just just snowballed and it's been great your wife is a very special lady because as you you talked about sacrifice she uh has a, a master's degree in uh in science do i believe yeah well she's got a master's degree in dairy science and a master's degree in nutrition from the university of georgia and she's very bright and she had a great job she was doing cancer research at georgia and she quit that to move up here and now uh, she's working for a department store and waiting on tables at night. But it, hopefully, I tell it like it used to be, he's going to be able to free her up a little bit. You've already done an album, T, and uh, it will be released very shortly, true? Yeah, I think the release date's going to be uh, May 17. Tell us a little bit about it. What kind of songs did you do on the album? Is there uh, What's the next release going to be? Well, the next release is a song called I Wish That I Could Hurt That Way Again, and that was written about eight years ago by Curly Putman, Rafe Van Hoy and Don Cook, and they're three writers for Tree Publishing here in Nashville, and they wrote it on a way to an awards show. They were all riding together in a in a Jeep Cherokee or something like that, and they they were on a way to pick up another song, write an award, and they whipped it out right quick. And I think it's been cut over thirty times, but this will be the first time it's ever been released as a single. You are, I suppose, are going to get on the road and uh, get a band and go out and show what T. Graham Brown is all about country now because you performed, I guess, in countless numbers of clubs, all kinds of places throughout your career since 73. Yeah, well, I don't know whether you can call it good luck or not, but I never have had to have a straight job, what people call a real job. My daddy calls it a real job. He said, why don't you get a real job? But yeah, I've played in uh, just about every dive around and in a succession of bands. And my last band, right before I moved to Nashville, my band was T. Graham Brown's Rack of Spam. Really? And, yeah, we specialized in uh, rhythm and blues and soul music. And then I moved to Nashville, and I guess they're calling me country now. Tell me something. Having had the influences of uh, of uh, of pop music and of what they call rhythm and blues and uh, all the black influence in your life, what did that bring to you as far as your country style is concerned? How did that help you? I tell you what, it helped me more than anything because I, I just thought I was just down. We're here at the Opryland Hotel. We're going to do the new Faces show, and I was just talking to Billy Joe Royal, and he was one of my idols back in the mid '60s when he was having his big hits. And I listened to. I had the black people to listen to. I had the country people to listen to, and then I would listen to Dennis Yost and the Classics Four, easy listening stuff. And I used to try to sound like people, and it, I kind of conglomerated the whole deal and now it came out it's me it doesn't sound like anybody else and people say you know you don't sound like anybody else and that's about the best compliment anybody could give me when we first heard your uh record of i tell it like it used to be there was a, a comparison people made to you sounding almost like huey lewis well those guys i, I mean i love huey lewis and 
some people, I don't know if they do it as a joke or not, but I've been called the Huey Lewis of country music. Now, whether or not that's good or bad, I don't know, but it's pretty funny. I I enjoy stuff like that. What do you like to do when you're you're not working and you're not singing off the road? Do you have any particular things that really uh, get that you like to do with your wife or yourself? Well, there's several things I like to do with my wife and myself. Uh, <laughs> Together or singly? Oh, either way. But uh, I go fishing some, and uh, I write songs. I'm affiliated with a publishing company here called CBS Songs, and um, that's mainly my avocation is writing songs. I, music is my main thing that keeps me going. Uh, I, I don't really have any hobbies. I don't go out and fly kites or anything like that much. Who's the person that influenced you most? What was the big break? What was the turning point, what would you say, in your career? Well, I got a buddy named Randall Bramlett, and I know he'll never hear this, but he's down in New Orleans now, and, and uh, he used to be in a band called Sea Level, and they had a couple of albums out, and he was like my hometown hero. And, and I kept asking him a stupid question, and it was, how do you make it? How do you do it? How can you be a star? How do you get in the music business? And for anybody out there listening, there's no way to do it but move to Nashville or New York or L.A. And that's what he told me. And I packed up and rented a U-Haul and and we moved and we sat around for a few months and we blew our savings. But finally, we got a few breaks and it's just persistence, persistence, persistence and keeping your dream alive. I guess someone like you, if you don't have the determination, it's very easy mentally and I guess emotionally just to give up and hang it all up at one point. Well, that's very true. Uh, I think too, I think people give up too easily a lot of times. Um, if you if you keep on, finally, if you're good and you keep persisting, somebody's going to give you a chance. Now, whether you make the most of the chance that you get, well, that's that's up to you. But I think persistence is the is the key word. If you had three wishes to make right now and pick out of a hat, what would the first wish be? Well, I'd like to uh, I'd like to have a number one record. I'd like to uh, be known as a a great cat and a wonderful human being, and I'd also like to have a Masters of the Universe doll named after me. <laughs> The last is the best. T, I want to thank you so much for joining us here. And I know that the new album is going to do absolutely sensational. Uh, T. Graham Brown just bursting forth right now in a name and country music that we're going to be listening to and knowing about for a long time to come. Thanks for being with us. Lee, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, brother. And there is his genus, T. Graham Brown. Next week on Country Music Conversations, we'll be visiting with a legend of country music. Her name, Crystal Gale. Until then, Lee Arnold reminding you to stay safe and keep it country.